Dame Sheila Hancock says we've become too over-emotional as a society, crying too much about everything. She's completely right. And the dangerous thing about overly emotional men is that they're dangerous. They're genuinely dangerous. This is what's crazy. All these people who talk about toxic masculinity and how bad it is for men to be traditionally masculine. A traditionally masculine man does things he doesn't feel like doing because it is his duty to do them. He charges into the burning building because it is his duty, not because he feels like Fruit of the tree, total victim, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Let me show a few things. Number one, here's the storyline of the Bible. Wedding, war. Satan didn't even show up until what? The honeymoon. Some of you are here, you're single, you're adorable. You're like, yeah, we're reading the Bible and we're gonna get married. I mean, it's hard now, I'm struggling. and but we're gonna get married and we're gonna be naked in a garden and eat fruit and everything and live happily ever after. You've only read the first two chapters. You need to keep reading. That was an expression that I've said on this podcast many times, but I'll say it again, is that hard times create hard men. Hard men create soft times. Soft times create soft men. Soft men create hard times. We are now around soft men. Today on episode three, we're going to be speaking about the role of husbands in a secular world. Stay tuned. All right, all right. So we're back another day, another night, and we have Josh and Isaac with us today, uh, our regulars. What's up, fellas? And thanks for taking time off from your families and and to be here and share in the Lord and share with whoever needs to hear and whoever's ordained to hear this. So that their lives can be impacted and edified. Let's just let's just start off with opening in prayer and invite the Spirit of God to convict and to grab a bunch of men and smash their heads together and wake them up. And and then us too. I mean, I know I got areas I gotta grow in. So let's start in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We implore you, Lord, to convict the men out there. And Lord, I ask you to take the men that are in conflict, the men that perhaps have checked out and clocked out of their homes, the ones who are ready to throw in the towels, the men that feel that they're just criticized constantly, belittled constantly, Lord, the men that feel that they have to work late to have some form of peace and not go home, Lord, the man, Lord, who's withdrawn responsibility and leadership because they just feel like their wives just won't listen to them. Lord, we we ask you to draw them in We ask you, Lord, to embolden them, to give them power, to give them understanding of how you work and how this role and how this role of husbandship works, Lord. We ask you all of these things, and most importantly, Lord, that your son, Jesus Christ, is glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. So, uh, you know, we, we, we are talking about the role of marriage. And I just want to say something before we get into this thing. Men, we have some heavy lifting to do if we're going to steer this ship right. And let me tell you something. It is so sad to see the level of activity, the level of spirituality in our wives and our women and our men are still sitting in their underwear playing Xbox with a Cheeto bag. And and they're just totally checked out of the the spiritual development of their home. And if you go to church, you know, the volunteers almost always are mostly women. 
a few men lag behind. And so uh, we really, if we're going to make an impact in this country, if we're going to be true patriots, let me just say something. You cannot be a true patriot if you don't support your home, if you're not spiritually leading your wife, if you're not leading your kids to the Lord, and if you don't do it with understanding and fear of the Lord. Please don't call yourself a patriot because you're not. You're a paper patriot. And so this is the time to get serious about where this country is going and how you're going to right this ship. Now, here's the good news. You may have made a ton of decisions that have been bad, but you can right this ship today. Today, you can decide you're going to repent, go to the Lord. You're going to go to your wife. You're going to love her. You're going to serve her. You're going to serve your family and then turn the ship around. All right. So, fellas. The first question I have for you as we get involved with this is, you know, I remember when I was getting married, thankfully, I was very skeptical in the sense of I'm always doomsday thinking. So when I was getting married, I knew like in the back of my head, this is not going to be fun. I, I know what the Bible tells me now. I wasn't mature enough to be able to follow through with everything, but I kind of had the knowledge of like, this isn't going to be rambles and skittles and all these things. And so um, what was your experience in coming into marriage years ago? And then what has been the surprise as, as you've kind of gotten older and you're like, wait a minute, this is not what I thought it was. To me, it was the, you know, the classic big house, you know, I wanted four kids. I wanted, I wanted to be rich, of course, you know, we all want to be rich. Uh, we thought that we're always going to be getting along. We thought we we're going to be having sex many times a day. Bob, check uh, wow, wow. <laughs> no financial struggles that we were always going to get along. And that's, that's my, uh, you know, what I thought it was, it was going to happen. I got married. I think I was 20 years old when I got married. And again, you know, I, 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 I dreamt for a while before, you know, life kind of hits you in the face. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So next month I celebrate 19 years of marriage with my wife. And uh, I remember when we first got engaged, I was one of those guys who wanted to be engaged for about five years. You know, <laughs> I figured we'd just like stretch the engagement out as long as we can before we get married. Um, you know, there was a bunch of weird expectations and really, I don't know if it was weird expectations or false expectations or maybe just no expectations, right? I didn't come from a home that had a marriage. My father and mother were separated almost my whole my whole life. So I didn't see anything there. So um, I think uh, I just had a really secular or worldly worldview as to what I thought we'd achieve, um, you know, by our own strength and merit, right? The, the picket fence, the, the, the money, all, all of that. Um, you know, in the beginning, it's the honeymoon phase, but, you know, you, you don't realize uh, how much heavy lifting goes into it. You know, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so if you had to compare contrast on what you found now marriage to be, what would you say it is like, you know, like what's what's different about it then? I mean, you thought it was going to be bliss. Isaac had to dump Aaliyah, you know, so that he can date Cynthia. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. And that's an inside joke. And uh, and then, you know, uh, and, and then, you know, life comes, you have kids and things happen. And then we wake up and we're like, okay, this is marriage. Uh, what, what, what is marriage now compared to what you thought it was back then? 
I think me, I, I couldn't imagine how, how awesome it was going to be, you know, and, yeah. and we, we went through struggles. We went through times where we thought that we're not going to make it. Uh, your father uh, counseled me and, and, and Martha for for about a year and a half. And I think if we didn't go through that counseling, we will have been divorced. I don't think we will have lasted. You know, counseling helped us a lot. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we go back to counseling and and but it's it's at the end of the day it's it's if you work for it if you really if you really want your marriage you know to to work out you got to work at it uh, but it's it's to me it's it's, it's amazing every day right now it, it's i can't wait for my wife to get home you know if i get home before her it's i'm calling her hey where are you hey when are you getting home and she does the same with me and we've been married we make in a few months we make 25 years and I love her more now than, than I've, I loved her when I married her. And I, I, I couldn't believe, you know, I couldn't think that was possible. Amen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, with all the expectations that I had, I, I, I don't know if I could have imagined it being this good, to be quite honest with you. And, of course, it wasn't with its uh, points of difficulty. You know, I mean, like I said, we've been together for going on 19 years of marriage, uh, 21 years together. And, um, well, you know, Carlos, I mean, there was times where you and I would work together and, and I wanted to get a divorce, but it was hard, you know, and you counseled my wife and I for a season and uh, God really began to do a work in my heart and in hers. And, um, you know, today I love her more than I loved her in the beginning. You know, it's, 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 I'm, I'm glad that we did the hard work earlier so we can reap the blessings and benefits now, you know, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Again, it's not it's not without its challenges, um, but man, is it worth it? I, I wouldn't change a thing. You know. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, for me personally, I will tell you that the thing that has changed the most um, is really understanding the reason why Jesus places the man in a and sort of in a parody, right? Like he he's saying men you're to love your wives as a church i i think as the way i love the church i think now i'm beginning to understand that more and more because you know we like to isolate that in a way like hey you know we we really need to love our wives uh, uh a little bit you know the way jesus said but it's so much more complicated because um it's about a lordship idea mm -hmm. and and the Lord, in this case, demonstrates mercy, grace. He demonstrates uh, discipline, but he, he he demonstrates so many characteristics that husbands are to use in their tool bags, and and then and, and then to bring up a level of integrity and character. And there's so much to you know. And we'll pack. I guess we'll go unpack it as time goes on. But for me, the the most impressionable thing has been. Um, you know, just the reason why uh, the Lord kind of calls us to mimic his behaviors in the home the right. way he has, you know, uh, been in the church. So, uh, amen. So we'll unpack that later. But uh, here's the next one I kind of throw out here. And, and, and I think for those, um, I use the word secular intentionally. So let me just say this. Not everything in, that is secular is necessarily evil. Okay, um, and so there are a lot of men, there are a lot of Christians, 
that have a secular marriage. Amen? Sure. There are a lot of husbands who lead their home in a secular way. And, and, then, and then there are a lot of secular people that live their lives in a secular way. And, um, and so what I wanted to throw out here was, uh, how would you compare and contrast just like how the world, in terms of husbands, how they're seen, what the expectations on husbands are, what do you think the world is really gearing the husbands to? And how would you contrast that uh, with, with the scriptures? Sure. I think that if you take a look right now at the direction, right? So there's been a paradigm shift, right? Very early on, a secular husband was someone who was more machisto, right? Uh, someone who, who kind of led with an iron fist of sorts, especially coming from the Latin background. Uh, it's what you, you saw. But when you take a look at the current cultural context that we find ourselves in, uh, what we see is a radical feminism that's taken its place, even within evangelicalism, you know, where there's this type of uh, uh, movement to say that husbands don't need to be the head of the home. Husbands don't need to lead. Husbands don't need, right? There's this kind of uh, weird sanguine partnership that's that's that they're trying to put in place but it's it finds itself unbiblical they're trying to create a balance between the two sexes but in creating that balance it's it's unbiblical right the, the husband is called uh to lead and so right now we we have a bunch of men uh who just like adam um they point to their wives right for making the bad decision but they they weren't mad enough to make the decision themselves you know a bunch of guys who don't want to make any decisions uh, and in, in the name of equality with their wives, they come to their wives, but they're not looking for their wife's opinion. They're looking for the scapegoat, right? Because they don't want to be the ones to take the helm and, and lead the path. And I'm not saying that we should reject what our wives say, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, we shouldn't look for their opinion just so we can point the finger when it all goes down, right? Um, you know, God calls us to, to lead the home, to be uh, shepherds in the home. Um, I think the, the verse that you said, and I think we'll unpack it later on, but it says that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. But then it continues, it says, and he gave himself, right? So, so the Christian man is supposed to love his wife sacrificially, right? Not just love, right? But love sacrificially the way Christ loves sacrificially, even unto death, you know? And so I think that's where the paradigm shift uh, takes place. Amen. I think it, it, it also has to do with not only the roles of the men's are shifting, it's like what, what, you know, what Carlos was saying at the beginning, it's that women, uh, when the men lay back, the women are going to take charge. Mm. And it, I've always been kind of like in leadership, like I've always wanted to serve, I've always wanted to be in the front. And most of the times it's the woman, the one you could count on, you know, it, it's you're going to do a prayer service, it's going to be 20 women, and it's going to be two or three men. If you need to do anything in the church, it's usually the women, the ones that are, that are there. Uh, I don't know where, where where churches will be right now if it wasn't for women pushing the way. And it's because a lot of times it's because the men gave up the role of leadership of the household and, and the women just take over. Uh, it also has to do with marriage. You see a lot of, a lot of people in marriage, uh, they use marriage as a contract. You know, that's how the world sees it, it's a contract. Uh, if you break a rule, you know, let's just break the contract and let's move our way. In, in you know, in, in a Christian marriage uh, with the husband, we do, we do a covenant with God. Right. You know, it, it's not only that we become one, it, it's we're, in, we're standing in front of God. 
uh, and telling God that we're going to take care of, of our other half. And a lot of people don't see it that way. I think the divorce rate, it's, it's really high. And I know we're talking about manhood, what it is to be a biblical man, mm -hmm. but that also has to do a lot with, with the divorce rate, with, with men having their me time. Now you see a lot of, uh, you have to be an individual when you get married. You know, you need to have your me time. You need to have your time with your friends. You need to, to do these individual things. And I think that that's very wrong. Uh, when mm. you become one, you guys got to do everything together. You know, it's not only about you as a man. It, it's about you and your wife. She's, she's the other part that God gave you. And, and that part of becoming one, it, it's very important uh, in that covenant. Uh, when, when, we, when we don't follow that, that's why we see so many women leading the church. And they're the ones a lot of times are in charge. And, and we're seeing just a twist. We're seeing, you know, a, a big change on that. And I, I think that that's, that's where men are lacking. And, and I know this shouldn't be so negative, but, but that's, that's what I've seen over the years, especially usually I love, you know, prayer and worship and stuff. And always in the prayer and worship services, it's mostly women, you know. And, and that's sad. And I think that men need to step up and need to take charge again and start leading the worship. They, start, they need to start leading the prayer. They need to start leading, you know, as we're going to talk in a little bit in the homes. Uh, and, and we're lacking a little bit. And I include myself because for many years, you know, it, it's, I did the same. And my wife was the one that was pushing, hey, let's go to church. Hey, let's do this. So it's, it's women, women have, been, have been there. They're always more faithful. Mm -hmm. Than men, and and I think that because the, the manhood is lacking, I think women are stepping up. Amen, amen. Well, you know, again, the to to refocus, we're we're talking about how is the world different, right? For men and husbands, how's the world ministering or showing us a different way? And I think I think we we're seeing that drift. Um, and one of the things that I do see happening more and more and more, and the reason why it's important to identify this is because those concepts, those secular concepts are making their way in, in the church. So we're using terms like toxic masculinity in the church. And that is, again, that is a secular concept. That is a concept that it's a construct created so that men, husbands, and tenor in general, don't show strength and and so you know I, I, and I, I go back to the times where where you know Isaac and I used to talk about this all the time about how like you know we padded our kids up you know when we were going outside to play we would you know just get on our bikes and go and now kids have, have like pillows all over themselves they're all padded up and 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 you know and and everything is like prevention there's a lot of prevention of kids going through something difficult and then that's caught up to us so now we have men that and i'm going to be honest with you i'm not a very handy person and so we have men who don't know how to fix things don't know how to do things don't know how to um provide for things they you know they have to hire service contractors for everything they have to they it, it, it's just a different type of man so that when tough times come i think husbands just check out i think what's even worse is that when tight tough times come our wives know that our men are not going to be ready and so they've thought about this a thousand times and so 
they have already talked themselves into a role that God has not opened for them. And so the, the, our wives are stuck with the option of, well, um, either it doesn't get done and the, and the ship sinks, or, or I got to step in that role and do the best I can. And along with that role um, comes that level of masculinity. So that we see our women take on these masculine traits that that they call to toxic masculinity. They take on the masculinity, and then we become feminized, right? So so now we become feminized. Our boys become feminized, and so our boys are learning how to take instructions from women. Our boys are learning how to doubt themselves right mommy does everything mommy tells daddy what to do mommy does the checkbook when i ask daddy if i can do something he tells me go ask your mother right and so all of these things start to happen and i think there's a culture that has penetrated in the church and in the home that has really put a dark cloud over the man and after a set amount of years i don't know if you've heard this or felt this way but I have heard it from many men that have said, yo, just my wife doesn't respect me. My wife won't submit to me. My wife always belittles me, my wife. And, and so it's always, you know, it's never that he, you know, that man never stepped up. It's not his yeah. fault, right? You know, the woman gave it, gave me to eat. You know, the, the woman gave me the fruit to eat, mm -hmm. right? So it was the woman who's, um, so what I see happening is this, pervasive secularism idea of women and man and the roles of the husband coming into the church and feminizing the men and i'm seeing a generational difference of what our boys like in terms of entertainment you know we we were the gi joe generation the transformer generation the army men the green men guns you know big wheels trucks and now our boys are, are are attracted to you know um, you know Will Smith's son Jade Smith and and that yeah. type of lifestyle and you know and, and they're you know what we call soy boys right you know the you know very weak lanky you know not tough you know very emotional very into their feelings and and that is ravaging I mean it's coming like a brush fire through the church and not many pastors are ready. And not many homes are ready. And so with that being said, how much do you think the feminization of men um, has really entered into the church? And, what, and how big of a problem do you think it is? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a, it's a gigantic problem. Like I was saying earlier, I think uh, there's this whole movement, uh, evangelical feminism. Um, you know, I think we see it. And and obviously, we may take different perspectives here. I'm, I'm a complementarian. I don't think that women should be pastors and we have women as pastors uh in the church leading congregations uh we have women in the homes leading their household we have women discipling their children uh and all, all the while we're telling men uh that they you know they can't be men they they they, they have to submit you know uh, uh to the needs of the home and and it's uh it's really damaging i think you know josh was making a really valid point when he was speaking about uh, a true statistic, which is, you know, 80% of the people who volunteer in church are women, you know, the, the other are, 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 are the men. And, and it's sad because at the end of the day, God has called men to lead. 
And, you know, when you take a look, I used to, when I was a pastor, I used to do marital counseling, right? And I remember you used, Carlos used the analogy of the ship. And I remember I was counseling a marriage and, and, and the husband was like, you know, I'm, I need to steer the ship, you know? And the wife tells him, yeah, but the ship is sinking. And then he's like, yeah, well then sink with me. She's like, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sink with you. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sink with you because you don't know what you're doing. You know, it was a whole thing. And, and it kind of encapsula- encapsulates like a, an entire generation of men who, who, who either they don't want to lead or they don't know how to lead. You know, and God calls us to be leaders, right? If, if, if a man is not leading, right? If a man is a, a man's failure to lead is a man failing. Uh, uh, excuse me. A man's failure to lead is a man's failure in leadership, because we're all called to lead, right? So if he's failing in lead to lead. Well, then that's his failure in leadership. You know, we're called to lead our homes. We're called to, to lead our, our children, our wives. Uh, we, we are the shepherds of, of the home. And so, yeah, I think feminism is ravaging the church. Uh, you know, when I see pastors with their skinny jeans and, you know, I don't wear baggy clothes. But, you know, I remember back uh, when, when Islam was taking off, uh, I want to say like seven or eight years ago, there was a whole move towards Islam. A lot of Christians were converting to Islam, a lot of men. We're converting to Islam. And one of the things you would hear is that Christianity was very feminine. It was a very feminine religion. Remember that? There was a whole mm-hmm. thing where, where Christianity was being compared to this feminine religion. And we've always seen that. We spoke about that. But now people were putting words to it. Uh, and they were leaving these men, these, these so-called Christian men, were leaving Christianity uh, to go to Islam because Christianity was feminine. Um, and I don't know if much has changed. I'm blessed. I, I go to a, a great Baptist church here in, in uh, my city. Uh, you know, my pastor is, uh, he, he seems to be a man's man, husband of one wife, you know, leads the congregation and, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but, you know, I can probably count on maybe one hand how many churches I've seen that way, you know. Amen. Amen. I would just throw something out there. 30.6% of men have suffered from a depression in their lifetime um when you're looking just at men as a whole so that means three out of ten men that you meet are gonna suffer some form of depression when it comes to their life and lord forbid that that happens uh during a marriage where unfortunately they check out josh you were gonna say something yeah it's it's what you're talking about you know the the man it's i did a class on anxiety and the, you know the men worry more about that the men i i think i said it on the first video and it's that the men have more nightmares the men uh, uh take more responsibility like like my kids if my kids do something wrong uh like many it, it really hurts me you know we we take we we take the load on us you know for our children for our family uh a little bit harder than sometimes women do and that's what some people gotta gotta do the the, the feminization of of men uh you also mentioned like like ask ask your mother you know it, it's when a man tells a kid ask your mother it's because the men mm-hmm. already should know what the mother's gonna say or because they talked about it already you know i tell my kids all the time they ask me hey dad is it okay if i go here you know and i tell them i says look it's okay with me but go ask your mother if your mother's okay with it and we both agree then then you're cool and if your mother says no then we'll talk about it and then we'll get back to you 
you know, asking your mother, uh, it's 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 dementia should not just deter everything, because my sure. wife always, my wife sometimes says it is, oh, you know, I don't want to tell him no because I'm the one that always says no, you understand? Because mm -hmm. I'm more I'm more lenient, you know, and and she tells me no, now you tell him no, <laughs> you understand? And, and yeah. that happens a lot in the households where where one person is always disciplining, one person's always doing everything, and then that person seems like like the the bad person. But again, if if we're one union, I think we both uh, should determine, you know, especially on the kids, you know, even though the man has has the headship, has the authority. Uh, I think, you know, as raising a family, I think it should be a, a union that should be said. Feminization of pastors, man, I don't know how they fit on those skinny jeans. I can't. Uh, it's uh, They're just adapting to the world. That's how the world dresses. They want to bring the world to their churches, and, and they're just dressing like the world. I don't, yeah. I don't understand that. I just dress the way I like to be dressed. I'm not going to wear skinny jeans to attract people. Uh, to me, it's, it's, it's just weird. I know you mentioned skinny jeans. You're talking about a lot more than that. Uh, <laughs> the jean jackets and, and all yeah. that, that weird stuff. But again, it's, it's, I, see, I see a lot of times as they're, at, they're checking what's, what's cool, what's hot in the world, sure. and they're bringing it to the church. Yeah. And because it's because they want to bring the world to the church, sometimes they fall to those you know to those those habits and those things and that's how everything enters is when when we try to bring you know the, the world to the church uh, it, it's like poison that starts eating it little by little absolutely because if you're bringing that little bit you know then it, it just starts growing you know or, or they, they, they don't start seeing how that little bit you know how that little lump you know leave it the whole lump the whole that's that, right yeah it starts that's right amen they they you know it's interesting you said that it's because i think in the beginning the intentions are i'm going to adapt a style to attract people what they don't understand is that they're not adapting a style they begin to adapt the culture you know so they're bringing in a style hoping to bring in a certain kind of people but what they don't understand is what they're really doing is bringing in a culture and it's not a christ-centered culture right and so and so what's pop you say they, they look into the world and they try to take what's popular in the world to bring it into the church. And what's popular in the world right now is feminism, you know, transgenderism, uh, 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 gender neutrality, you know, and all of that right now is, is ravaging the church, you know, and strong men are not standing up. Amen. Know? Amen. Well, we're going to go into the third, the second half of this um, talking about, you know, how men are called to be the pastor of the home, the mm. provider of the home, and the protector of the home. So we're going to dive into that, and we're going to cut to a quick break, and we'll be right back. I want to thank you for tuning in today, and I ask two favors from you. If you enjoy the content of what we're presenting, if you find being a collective is an attractive thing to you, if you connect with us when we talk about celebrating everything america when it comes to our faith our family and the pursuit of happiness can you do me a favor number one like our youtube channel follow us subscribe to our channel and click the little bell button so you can be notified every time there is a new content that's being uploaded secondly you can go to our website uh, you can go to patriotcollective.biz, that's B-I-Z, like business, and you can scroll through the pages, and as you can see in this video, there's a lot of content you can stream from the website. You can also purchase a $10 
club membership that would allow you to support us and it would get charged monthly. And that is just one way of being part of the collective. In addition to that, you can check our merch. We have cups, hats, shirts, things that are constantly going to be updated. But you can also dress up in, in collective gear and sort of identify and let everybody know where you stand on the issues in matters of faith, family, and freedom. I appreciate your help in this. Thank you so much again for tuning in and just joining and being part of the collective. God bless. All right, all right. So we're back. All right. So uh, let it, uh, hey, y'all, let me tell you something. Y'all need to do, check out that coffee cup, collect the coffee cup mug. That's with right. With a little come and take it. It works really well. I'll be honest. It works really well. Anyways, so um, we are back, and we're going to now dive into the second half, which is what does the Bible say, right? Because at the end, if we don't open the Bible, then we're just all spinning our wheels here and just talking. And so, um, you know, the first thing we're talking about is husbands, how we are different from the world. Listen, listen, husbands. How are you different from the world? The worldly husband, the secular husband, okay? Where the world wants you to be a good little boy and sit down, right? The first thing we've highlighted as a group, we've talked about this before, was husbands. We are pastors of our home. And if you're a pastor, remember that you're the pastor of your home before you're the pastor of flock in the church. That is the requirement. So let's start off there. Um, what are your thoughts? How, how, what does that look like? What does it mean for a husband to be a pastor of their home? Yeah, I think that the husband is the family shepherd, the pastor, the minister, the disciple of the wife, of the children. Um, it's our responsibility to, to lead the ship, to, to lead our wives to godliness, to, to lead our children to godliness. Um, God calls us to minister to our family first and foremost. You know, it's interesting because you, you mentioned you mentioned pastors and I served as a pastor. Right? And I remember when I first planted my church, uh, I was so busy doing church work. You know, I was so busy doing church work and I was saying, you know, I'm going to I'm going to give my all to God um, and God's going to take care of my family, but I'm going to give my all to God. And so here I am. I'm doing marital counseling with other couples. I'm discipling groups, I'm leading Bible studies, I'm preaching every Sunday. Um, and that first year, year and a half, my family begins to deteriorate. I'm not spending time with them. I'm not managing my time. And, and by the time the second year of my ministry came through, I made a dead, uh, after conversation and prayer and, and going through the scriptures with my wife, I made a, a like I dedicated myself both to my family and, and to the Lord in that I would not sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. Right. The, the fact that there's a term called the PK, the pastor's kid, is a travesty. Right. And so so it is our responsibility uh, as husbands, as fathers to to lead and guide and shepherd our our family. I think a good verse is the one that we read earlier in Ephesians chapter five, verse uh, 25 and 26. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and he mm -hmm. gave himself up for her. Right. And then verse 26 says that that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, right? 
Are we washing our wives with the water of the word? Are we discipling our wives? Are we praying with our wives? Are we, are we seeking to, to, to intimately dive into the word of God with our wives and, and disciple our children? You know, is, is that what we're doing? And if not, why not? Right? So in my home, we do uh, a catechism. So I catechize my children. Uh, there's a great, great catechisms available online. Anybody can look them up. Uh, but I use a catechism. Uh, with my children and a catechism for those who don't know is a a question and response right so you ask a question like like who is god and then and then there's an answer with biblical verses and we go through all of theology in essence it's you know 120 questions uh, as a whole um and so that's how i other than reading the scriptures that's how we also disciple our children but it's the responsibility of the father to lead to guide to, to mentor to disciple um you know scripture declares it yeah, amen. And Isaac, you know, just to add on what you said in Ephesians chapter 5, if you jump up to verse 15, it actually says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of our time because the days are evil. And isn't it funny because that that is uh, that is so much, that is happening so much with the men and husbands in the church where we're just existing and walking and and just living and going collecting a paycheck bringing it home yep. and and then participate just you know not necessarily in evil things but secular things right and it says making making the best use of the time because the days are evil it's like it's like men the world is burning and you're worried about who's gonna win the game right and you're worried about your next fishing trip or you're worried about all these other things and literally the world is burning and you're coming with a cup of water. It, 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 it boggles the mind. Uh, Josh, what you got? Uh, Isaac took all my verses, man. I'm done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the, uh, he said it in Ephesians 5, man. We have to be the head of the household. You know, we have to lead our families in the ways of the Lord. We have to lead by being sacrificially, by being an example. We have to teach them how to identify sin. We have to teach them, you know, how to react to sin. I told you guys last week, my son was going camping with, with a bunch of people. They're not Christians. And man, he called me. Oh, they went on Friday and he called me. He was like, Dad, man, they're doing wrong things. Uh, I think I'm going to pack up and go. You know, and, and, and that's, you know, that, that made me feel good. You know, I spoke with my wife and I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him because he's, he's identifying that they're doing wrong. And even though it's an expensive trip, man, he was about to pack up and go and thank God things calm down. You know, he's separated from the group. You know, he did his own thing and, and things, you know, turned out okay. He ended up having fun and stuff, but we had to teach them what, well, you know how they had to be different from the world right. we had to teach them that if they're in a in a position where, where they're going to get hurt or they're going to end up sinning they're going to be tempted they had to move away from that not only that as men we have to sacrifice ourselves like christ sacrificed for the church mm -hmm. so again a lot of people say oh you know we're the men they have to do what they say and no you know sacrificially is like the video said at the beginning you know we have to jump in the building before them in the in the burning building we have to do all these things uh, another thing that i realized on my walk with with christ when i was failing it was how how can my wife how can my kids okay follow god when me myself 
is not following God. So that's something that men have to do. We have to lead by example, okay? We have to not tell them, hey, you need to go to church because it's good for you. No, you need to be the first one getting up in the morning and telling them we need to be in church, okay? Because this is what's going to, you know, what's going to feed us, what's going to feed our soul, what's going to feed our spirit. I was blessed that when my kids were in their teens, you know, I was able to be their youth pastor. So for six years, as all my kids were in high school, Thank God that I was able to pastor them. I was able to teach them. And my wife was there by my side. So it was basically, it was our whole family, you know, doing a service with all my kids' friends. You know, Amen. not only that, you know, not only was I doing that on Fridays, we were doing prayer and worship. Where now my kids tell me when we moved to the new church, uh, we were doing men's group on Friday. And so we stopped the prayer and worship on Friday. And now my kids tell me, man, we miss it. So there's a break now, you know, from they go from group and then there's a break. And then my kids now, you know, LA, we're going to do it on Friday again, right? Until the groups start. So we had to lead them, you know, we had to, to put that seed in there of wanting to love God, wanting to worship God, wanting to, to read the Bible when they're going through a struggle. You know, hey, dad, what does the Bible say about this? Hey, dad, can you send me a video from someone? about this circumstance you know they they do that because every time they come home and i'm on the computer they don't see me playing a game they see me listening to a preaching when i get in the car mm. and my bluetooth turns on it's a preaching or it's the word of god being read so by example we have to lead you know titus 1 6 mm. says you know in order for you to be a leader in the church in order for you to be an elder it says if anyone is above reproach the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination you see in order for you to lead you know in order for your kids to be able to and i know you know our kids are still going to do their their thing and might get in trouble but this is a rule in order for you to be a leader your kids have to behave a certain way you know in, in deuteronomy 6 7 he says you shall teach them diligently to your children and and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk uh, by the way and when you lie down and when you rise you know that this is talking you know Amen. this God about the Ten Commandments it's telling you should teach it to your children always you know and that's what we need to instill in order for you to be you know uh, the shepherd of the house you know you, you need to lead by example you cannot just tell them hey go read the Bible because it's that's good right. for you hey go to church because it's good for you no no it's you need to lead by example you don't want them to drink you don't drink uh, in my house my house for a while was a mess it was dirty and I would tell them hey you know on Saturday we're all gonna clean you know and I would tell them no and then it was a, it was a fight every 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 Saturday it was a fight you know until I started cleaning the house by myself and I started doing everything by myself. I did a list of things that we needed to do. Hey, we need to sweep, we need to mop, we need to do this. And man, when, when I started putting my letter, I would put the letter, hey, I did this, I did that, I did that. You know, and they started seeing it. Now they do it by themselves. When I come home, the letters are there, I don't have to do it. Because I led, I teach them by example. Me and my wife, not only me, my wife helping, you know, with the letters. Oh, I was about to say, boy, you better mention Martha's name on that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to get in trouble, but <laughs> but you know, but we lead by example. It's amen. That's what we need. That's to right. Do. Amen. Well, you know, right. he, here's something that's really important because y'all y'all saying something about how men need to lead, how men need to get up, and I, I'm gonna kind of take an interesting turn here because this is something that I think most men are gonna agree with. 
um, and, and or at some point they've experienced this because we got to face reality. We are so inconsistent. Okay, so often we have a tendency to start something. Maybe you know we do something great for three months and then it starts dying down a little bit, and then there's this credibility issue with our wives, and we do the best we can, right? I, and, and we start lifting up. And so there's sometimes this sort of feeling where we're doing the right thing, but we don't feel in our home we're getting the level of cooperation. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you enough how many times I've talked to men saying, hey, look, I tried. I got up on Sunday morning and I took my kids and, you know, and and I took them to church and, and I started to do the right thing. But, you know, I guess my home became so secular because I was absent that now when I'm trying to steer the ship the right way, I'm getting resistance. And so I kind of, I want to take the, the turn there because this is where, um, this is where being a man in the right tone, let me just say that first, in the right tone, in the right character, and in the right um, firmness, the way Jesus was, um, where we're going to have to put sort of a hard sign, and we're going to have to be immovable, and we have to refuse to get up in our feelings about this, but one of the things the scripture says, and Isaac, you read it, but he talked about washing our wives with the word, and let me tell you something. If we left our wife in the mud for two years, three years, and we start using the word to wash her, hey man, you know, she ain't gonna like it. You know, she, she's not gonna just automatically say, oh, how great, how oh, great. You know, now you wanna put spiritual guidelines on our alcoholism or alcohol consumption and our parties and, and our drug use and, and, and how we talk in front of the kids and, and now you want to start putting guidelines and then you start kind of trying to lead the right way with example. But don't forget, we're shepherds of the home. And so now we start kind of, we're trying to wash our wives with the word and we're going to meet that initial resistance. And that happens. I can't tell you how many times I'm reading through chat rooms. I'm reading through things, Reddit articles, people who are struggling with this because we left the home for so long. And now we, we we have to kind of make it right and we're trying to make it right and we're meeting resistance from our kids. We're meeting resistance from our wife. We're meeting resistance from extended friends and family. How do we get over that? Look, if, if I want crumble cookie right now, I can go to my app and I can download, you know, and have it delivered via Uber Eats within 30 minutes. Not just crumble cookie. I can get ice cream. I can get Chinese food. I can get whatever I want. I can get Chick-fil-A if they were opened. If I wanted to pick up a podcast system and have it delivered tomorrow from Amazon, I could do that. All right? If I wanted to just flip on my TV and watch any movie that, that, that's, that's available, I can do that right now instantaneously. You know, we, we live in a time where everything is just so instantaneous. And so here we are as men. We've failed to lead the home. There's been years of damage produced, and we think because we've made a change in a day that everything should be flipped and, and okay. No, it, it doesn't work that way. You know, diligence is about long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. You know, I remember we were, uh, I was young with my wife. Well, we were married. We were probably on our third or fourth year in marriage. 
uh, things were getting really difficult. Um, well, no, third or fourth year together, maybe fourth year together. So two years of marriage, um, four years together. And it was getting really difficult. And I didn't know what to do, but I began to look at the scriptures. And, and finally, I began to look at myself. And so the same approach that I would take with men uh, who I would counsel in their marriages, uh, I always look at the man first. At the end of the day, I think the, uh, the, the buck stops with the man. The responsibility falls upon the man. At the end of the day, when God looks at you and says, what have you done with what I've given you? You will have to give an account as the husband for the leadership of your home, your wife, and your children. So I always go to the man first. And when I look at my own life, it's because I take that approach with myself. So my wife was driving me crazy. <laughs> she was driving me nuts, man. Uh, you, you know my wife, you know, and, and, and she's changed and we got married very young. And, but in the beginning, it was, it was tough, you know. It was tough. She was tough. And, and I was apathetic and lazy. And I decided to just do the right thing irregardless of her. I didn't want her to, to change. I didn't want her to – in spite of her, I was going to continue to do the right thing. You understand what I'm saying? So, so, so if she didn't give me praise for doing the right thing, I continued to do the right thing. And if she didn't want me to do the right thing, I continued to do the right thing. And if she didn't notice that I did the right thing, I continued to do the right thing. Um, long obedience in the same direction. And once you begin to build a track record, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, it's the desire of the, the, the woman to want to be uh, under the leadership. A woman doesn't want to lead, you know, but if the man doesn't take the helm, if the man is not leading the ship, she's, she, she sees no other choice, you know. And so I think, I think that we, we just have to continue to strive and move forward, press on, despite, in spite, irregardless of, of any of the, the pats on the backs that we're not getting, right? Keep pressing forward. Keep pressing forward. Oh, but it's taking a month. Who cares? Oh, it's taking a year. Who cares? Oh, it's taking 10 years. Who cares? My wife and I have been together going on 19 years of marriage, 21 years together. And it's this last portion of our marriage that's been so amazing. You know, everything else is an ebb and flow. It's an ebb and flow. But when, you, when you're diligent and you press on and you look at yourself first, it's so easy for us. Women submit, you know, in, in everything the scripture says. Yeah, that's true. You know, but, but, but before you look at the speck in your wife's eye, look at the plank in your own, you know. And so for me, that's the advice that I give myself. That's the advice I give a lot of men. Continue to press forward. Long obedience in the same direction and you will persevere to the glory of God. Amen. Josh, what you got? We just we just finished in our church. Uh, they have a marriage group on Mondays, and they just did the love there. I remember when the love there came love out, there. maybe like like 12, 14 years ago. I don't remember. We did it. We weren't into it. Uh, now this time, we, it was a little bit different because, you know, it's 25 years. We've been at it a long time. We already know what it was. But still, it's, it's like um, your question was about... Uh, I, I forgot what your question was. But my, my question is like, how do we write a ship? Like, if the man is being consistent and he's trying to do oh, all yeah, he's yeah, doing, yeah, that's, where, that's where I was going. I'm sorry, Isaac talked too long. I forgot my point. <laughs> hey. But it's 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 again. It's we. I, I keep on saying it's it's the if if we keep on messing up. 
okay it's it's gonna take time uh it's gonna take time to to fix our marriages especially talking about marriage you know because uh man i was rough when we first got married you know i was a, i was a kid i you know i hadn't even grown i was 20 years old my wife was 17 years old we were both kids we didn't know how to how marriage worked we hadn't learned from our parents uh that long so uh, I, my wife is still hurt for things from you know from things I did 20 years ago. She sometimes brings it up, you know. So we hurt them so much, and and again, it's it's we are called to sacrifice ourselves. We're not called to you know to to be forceful. We're not called to be hateful. We're called to sacrifice ourselves. Uh, a lot of times we're gonna have to do things we don't want to do. That that's what sacrifice is about. You know, in order for us to gain the trust of our wives again, we're gonna have to sacrifice. We're gonna have to say, you know, like like I know it's a little funny, but we're gonna have to say I'm sorry. A lot of times when you know when we know we're not wrong. <laughs> and, and that's what it is. But it takes it takes time again to to get that trust, to earn that trust back from from our wives. But <laughs> I'm having to say, I'm sorry when we're not wrong. No, Lord, God. But it takes time. It takes time to earn that trust, to earn that that respect uh, from our wives. And, and if, if, if we don't, like Isaac said, you know, if, if we don't continue that pattern of doing things right, of, of treating our wives the way Christ That's right. treated mm -hmm. the church, okay, that trust is never going to come back. They're going to continue bringing that stuff back because they're still hurt. They're, you know, they're still, we still haven't given them enough love for them to heal their heart because that's our job. Our job, our job is to love them, okay? Mm -hmm. And if we don't sacrificially love them, we're not doing our job. Amen. So, you know, th this this is perfect. So this is exactly why I said I felt like Ephesians 5 was really building a lordship idea, meaning for our husbands, right, for the husbands in this world, you know, our job is to mimic the culture, the essence, the behaviors, the thought patterns, the philosophies, the emotions, uh, very pattern after Christ. So uh, I'm going to I kind of want to wrap up kind of my perspective on this. Um, and, and that is this. Number one, um, Christ waited for fruit. You know, when the scripture looks at God's relationship with the church, uh, he doesn't come to the church and say, perform um, works of the flesh. What he says is, because of the transformation, because how I served you, I am waiting for you to be fruitful. And there is a difference between being fruitful and, and demanding works and so uh one of the things that we're asked is not to lord it over people right and so men the first thing is it might take years after sowing seed to see fruit amen and so just like the lord is waiting for fruit you know when we're home and after years of neglect we gotta start sowing at some point and we have to water that and sow it and tend to the field and make sure everything's in order, okay? So be patient and wait for that fruit to yield what it needs to yield. Um, it may not happen overnight. It may not happen in a month. It may not happen in a year. But our job is to approach it the way Christ said. Number two, don't forget Jesus dealt on an economy of grace. 
right? And the economy of God is grace. He deals with us completely different how he would deal with the world. And I want you to think about that. He deals with his children differently how he would deal with the world. And how you deal with your wife and how you deal with your home should be completely different how you deal with the world. And when we're dealing with our wives, we're dealing with them with grace. We're washing them with the word. We're giving them grace, right? Isaac said something beautiful. He says, hey, regardless of what they tell me, regardless if they give me pats on the back, regardless of what I'm hearing, our job is to be consistent and thorough. And listen, it's going to suck sometimes. You know, if you're if you're trying to get on your feet and do things and you're not getting that praise, lick your wounds, right? Sit down, go to the Lord. But no, the option to stop is not enough. It's not there. That's not an option, right? And so our job is to continue to forge ahead. The third thing is, yes, absolutely, we got to focus on the Lord. But listen, your home is your domain. And so if you're getting pushback, by all means, by all means, you cannot force your wife or, or anyone around you to be fruitful. But what you participate in and the things that you permit that you have control over, inclusive of your own bad habits, begin to sanctify those things. Amen. You have the option of the music you're allowing your kids to participate in. You're the one buying Nicki Minaj tickets. You're the one letting them go to those concerts. You're the one showing the Disney Channel and all the crap that, 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 put, that that's put on. You're the one with the Netflix subscription. You're the one that, that is purchasing that clothes that's a little revealing that shouldn't be. You're the one. So where you have the ability to begin putting in models of sanctification in your home where it's in control of your domain, do not let that go. Do not let the pressure of the enemy cause you to shrink back okay so just because we're going to be patient and wait for fruit it doesn't mean that we're going to shrink back and sit in our chair because we've lost credibility in in the last two years stand up take that mantle be prepared to work three years plowing that field but don't lose that authority insist in godly love using the word of god on what your home is going to look like. Insist. Because here's the thing. The enemy has already entered. The enemy has already entered the home. And understand, the enemy is not your wife. That's that's your flesh. The enemy is the enemy. And the enemy is creating an influence in your home. And if you shrink back, the Bible says not to give him a space. To resist the devil and he shall flee. And so we're, as men, going to have to stand up. Resist the enemy using the word of God, using the shield of faith. We're going to have to stand up and push back against this agenda that wants to see you silenced. Now, I'm going to say this because my first thing that my wife said when she saw the intro video, she's like, why do you have Andrew Tate on there? And why do you have that? Because here's the thing. The world is even seeing that men have been punked. For the last 10 years, and we've been stripped of all our identity. And when the world, not believers, not the church, not the pastors, when someone like Andrew Tate, who is a kickboxing guy, comes on the comes on the thing and says, you know what, men, you know, it's time for you to stand up and be a man. 
it, we got to listen. It's all over us. And so here's the point. I'm, I'm not suggesting that we think Andrew Tate is the role model. Man, what I am saying is that what he says is true. What he said in that point is true. What Mark Driscoll said is true. And so it's time for us to kind of stand up, take that mantle, use Christ as our model, be graceful, be loving, but listen, be firm, be firm, and be obedient to the word of God. All right, guys, so this is our wrap-up time. Uh, I don't know, closing statements, Isaac, Josh, how would you, you know, what would be your word of of advice to that man who says, yep, that's me. Uh, what, 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 you know, what would you say to them and uh, to give them encouragement? Well, I would say it's, it's not, I'm sorry, Josh, you want to start? Go ahead, Isaac. I would you say it's uh, Go take all the time you want. <laughs> I would say it's, uh, it's, it's not too late, right? You know, it's, it's not too late for you to step into the role that God has created you for. Um, you know, I think uh, as a man, you know, God calls us uh, to surround ourselves around other men. You know, find yourself a mentor, find yourself a good church, surround yourself with brothers who are living that life, someone who can who can help you, uh, who won't lead you astray. Um, you know, stand firm in your home, stand on principle, stand on God's word, and and just keep pressing forward. I mean, it's, there's never a time where uh, things have gotten so bad that you stop doing what it is God commands you to do. Press forward in faithfulness, and God will bless you. Amen. Are you done, Isaac? Point two. <laughs> so, so <laughs> again, it's it's Jesus. You know, Jesus. Oh, there you go. Jesus loved us sacrificially. You know, because of His grace and His mercy. Okay, we have to do the same with our wives. And the way He did it sacrificially, it's whether we get something in return or not. Man, if you're struggling, you know, if you're struggling with your kids, if you're struggling with your wife, uh, you have to put the word of God first. First of all, what I always do, man, it's prayer. Prayer. You pray. You start praying. You start praying to God to help you. You start praying for God to 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 speak to you through his spirit and through his word to tell you, man, how how, how can I change? Because a lot of times it's, it's us, the ones that need to change, not them. So how can I change? How can I be a better a better pastor of my home? How can I be a better provider? How can I be, you know, uh, just that man that I need to be in order to have a house, uh, you know, a Christian, a godly house? It's never too late, you know, just start praying, man, start reading the word, start uh, looking for Christian books on, on how to be a better man, you know, uh, Everything is on the Word of God. Everything we need. We don't need to go outside of the Word of God, even though there's a lot of good sources out there. But start with the simplest thing. Well, hopefully you have a home. It's a Bible. You know, but start with prayer. Then start with the Bible. And, and God is going to open your understanding. He's going to help you with His Spirit. He's going to guide you in the way you need to be. But again, if you don't do it sacrificially, okay, if you don't do it out of your heart, the wise are going to catch up right away you know if you're just doing it uh i said uh if you're just gonna do it to cross a check mark like that book uh love there if you're just doing it just to do that check mark man the, the wise pick it up right away you just do it out of your heart do it because you love god and do it because you're not expecting anything in return do it out of grace because that's how jesus did it for us 
Amen. Amen. Love that. Love that. Well, let, let's uh, let's pray so we can end this. Next week, by the way, we're going to be sharing, and we're going to, almost on the same vein, we're going to go into what is it to be a man um, and, and, and masculinity, how to build biblical masculinity. What does that look like? Uh, where we talk about toxic masculinity in this world, uh, there's a lot of talk about what that looks like and believe it or not unfortunately what the world calls toxic god calls holy and so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about what holy masculinity looks like and and, and if you're interested and if you have a young boy um if you if you have a, a husband that you think needs to hear this if wives if you want to tune in and just sort of take in some of that stuff that we're going to be talking about uh, feel uh, feel free to do so and share share the podcast. But let's close in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. And we ask that your Holy Spirit visit the audience that this is going to reach to, that you convict them, Lord. And you give them hope that all is not lost, that all is not lost. I ask you, Lord, to give our men that sense of purpose and accomplishment and pride in what you've called them to be, Lord. And may they stand up and pick up that mantle that was dropped years ago. Maybe it was because of an illness. Maybe it was because of, of a bad divorce. Maybe it was a bad fight. Maybe it was a childhood trauma. Maybe it was something that caused men to just sort of say, forget it, I'm done. Lord, we also pray for the men who think leadership is abuse. We pray for the men out there that are abusive, angry, distrustful, and we ask them, Lord, that you put in a soft heart and you call them to repentance and they come to you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know him as your God, as someone who has come to take away your sin, I just want to tell you this right now. Jesus died a horrible death for you. And he took away your sin and he gives you his righteousness. And after giving you his righteousness, he gives you his spirit to live in you so that you can live a new life and a transformed life, not a religious one, not one filled with rules, a one where your desires begin to change and you have a new nature in you desiring the things of God. And if you desire to know Jesus Christ today, all you have to say is, God, show me, show me the way, help me to understand your ways. I believe in you. I believe in this message. I know you died for me. Take my sin away and I receive your spirit. And let God from here on out show you. And the way you're going to do that is find a church, a good Bible-believing church. Or reach out to one of us. You can reach out to one of us and learn a little bit more about what Christianity is and we'll steer you in the right place. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for everyone here. We thank you for your message that you are spreading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you have any questions or you want to reach out to Josh, Isaac, or myself, um, you can simply write questions at patriotcollective.biz. Again, write an email to questions at patriotcollective.biz. If you have questions, it, it could be anything, but we'll, we'll, we'll field the questions here live and um and we'll answer them to the best of our ability if you have any and um and i thank you for tuning in please don't forget to like and subscribe uh and our youtube page and 
uh, so that you can follow us and share it. Share it with people who you think this would benefit. All right, folks, until next week, thank you for tuning in. Catch you next time. Amen.